Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! All right, church, we're going to continue in Matthew tonight, where we've been the last couple of weeks with this series. So we're going to pick up with Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God who had given such authority to human beings. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The word of God for the people of God. So Jesus' reputation was preceding him. Just a while before, like we talked about last week, he kicked some demons to the curb by introducing them to a herd of pigs. And then he encouraged them off the side of a cliff. That's pretty extreme. So it's hard to imagine these stories through firsthand accounts and word of mouth weren't being spread. A whisper here and a whisper there. Or maybe bold proclamations of what people had seen and heard. Preaching and teachings that may have sounded like the words of an eccentric, but spoken with such authority and boldness you couldn't help but listen. Sick people were were healed and they were well as if nothing had been wrong. Jesus was refusing to be exclusive, ignoring societal norms, crossing boundaries, breaking some rules, pissing off the authorities, creating opposition and dissent. People were starting to figure out who Jesus was. So it shouldn't have come as a surprise when Jesus was traveling home. The boat he was in was gliding across the water, bumping up on the Capernaum shore, that Jesus barely had time to step off when he looked up and saw people walking toward him. The afternoon heat may have been beating down hard, and if there was a breeze, it did little to offer any relief, which I think we can all relate to right now. So hot, with beads of sweat, 
dripping down their foreheads and tired. I imagine four people, each carrying a corner of the stretcher, navigating a hot, uneven, sandy turf to bring their companion to Jesus. They were not only carrying their friend, they were also carrying with them their solidarity, their faith, and their hope that their friend would walk. I imagine it wasn't a comfortable trip for the man on the stretcher either. Although we don't know how long it took them to reach Jesus, I imagine he was just as exhausted and uncomfortable. We aren't told in the text why the man was paralyzed. We don't know if it was from birth or because of an accident or an illness. Probably because the why wasn't important or it wasn't as important as the social and the religious complications of being paralyzed. Like the man's righteousness would have been judged based on how well he could fit into his society and his culture's norms. Like depending on his family and friends for his well-being and quality of life. Like his inability to contribute to his community in conventional ways. He was labeled a sinner based on the scribes' limited understanding and definition of righteousness. Yet Jesus calls him son and encourages him to hang in there. In contrast to the gossipy whispers of the scribes who are watching nearby, Jesus, with love and compassion, forgives the man's sins. He also reminds the scribes of his God-given authority to heal and forgive. Jesus responds to their judgy natures by healing the man and telling him to stand. This simple act of standing has offered the man a new way of existing in the world. Now he is free from the constraints the religious leaders, others in authority, and even in his own community have used to keep him down. The reading for tonight doesn't stop with the story of the paralyzed man, but it continues. The text says, as Jesus was walking along. Have you ever noticed Jesus does that a lot, just walks along? It's a great phrase that helps us transition from one scene to the next, so I'm going to say it again. As Jesus was walking along, he passes by a tax booth. Now picture with me for a second a strip mall, because that's what I think about when I think about a tax booth. A strip mall with a hole-in-the-wall office. The office has a double glass door in need of some WD-40. It's an office with worn leather furniture and old, outdated magazines laying on the end tables. There is a line out the door of angry, desperate people. Angry because they owe money they don't have to a government that doesn't seem to care about them. They have been waiting for hours. They have been yelling insults at the man sitting across from them who is taking their money. They are trapped by a tax system they can't break free from. You see, tax collectors were not looked upon favorably. Some were profiteers who would buy taxation rights from the government. Then they would charge the public as much as they wanted to not only cover the taxes, but to make a profit. They were cheating the system and basically stealing from people. So if I were Matthew, I think I would have been jumping up and out the door without hesitation if Jesus poked his head in and said, follow me. Although it does seem like a huge risk to blindly follow someone, 
Maybe Matthew was willing to take the risk of an uncertain future because he wanted out of his current reality. What did Matthew see in Jesus? Or rather, what did Jesus see in Matthew? Maybe Jesus was able to see past Matthew's job title and all the baggage that it came with. Maybe he saw someone who needed a fresh start and wanted to help him break the cycle he was in with two simple words, follow me. I wonder if Matthew asked questions later, questions like, where are we going? And then, why me? Or do you know what I do for a living? Or wait, what, you want to have dinner with me? Because that's where we find Jesus next. He's lounging against a table, whining and dining with Matthew and his tax collector colleagues, and never, ever far from when and where Jesus was challenging the norms, social or otherwise, the scribes questioned his decision to kick back and hang out with tax collectors and other people they considered to be un- unacceptable. People they believe had questionable character. But Jesus pushed back and asked them, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Or in other words, who needs me? You are the ones you're judging, the ones who don't fit your mold, the ones you ostracize and criticize and isolate, You see, in that moment, Jesus is redefining who is in and who is out. He is extending an invitation to lay down assumptions and to own our own biases about others. He is refusing to conform to popular opinion, and he is not afraid to dissent. Both the paralyzed man and Matthew, for various reasons, were seen as outsiders. Two men from two very different walks of life. They were not accepted they were ridiculed, they were labeled as sinners. They were othered. But yet both of them were called out and invited into God's kingdom by Jesus himself. Sometimes like the man on the stretcher, we are paralyzed by our own circumstances, sometimes of our own doing, sometimes not. Or like Matthew, we are trapped by a label or a role, sometimes of our choosing and sometimes not but we know it's not working for us anymore. We want out, we want to make a change. We want our lives to say and mean something different. In a world that it's doing its best right now to push us to conform, to push us to keep wearing labels that are no longer comfortable or true for us, but it's safe for them. Whether others' choices to cast our friends, families, or maybe ourselves to the side are being affirmed, This week's Supreme Court rulings hurt. From affirmative action to LGBTQ plus rights and everything in between, it feels like we're traveling back in time. Justice Sonia Sotomayor penned a dissent on the court's ruling about the Colorado web designer. The justice wrote, around the country there has been a backlash to the movement for liberty and equality for gender and sexual minorities. New forms of inclusion have been met with reactionary exclusion, and this is heartbreaking. Well, yes, I agree this is heartbreaking. This is also a reminder for us that even in a situation where the majority rule, the dissenting voices are not silenced. They speak with authority, and they speak with love, and they speak with compassion. God showed us, through Jesus, that God is a dissenting voice in a world full of opinions. Like Jesus, we also have the same divine authority 
to act and speak out of God's love and compassion. A love that is available to everyone, regardless of how society, culture, the government, or religion labels or defines them. A love that is available to us, regardless of how our coworkers, our friends, or maybe our families label and define us. A love that Galileo expresses every day. A love that a colorful, vibrant, quirky, and beautifully flawed community of disciples work hard to show ourselves and others in everything we do. This is our reminder to continue stepping into our God-given authority and, like Jesus, crash boundaries and, with love and compassion, welcome those on the out in. Welcome people into a new freedom, a new identity, a new way of existing in the world. Welcome them into a relationship with a loving and inclusive God and into participation in God's community and kingdom here and now. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support our missional priorities, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.